Well, good morning. How's everybody doing out there? Awesome. Well, we're doing good up here. And up here and out there is all together. We're just attached to cords and microphones and you guys aren't. So you have no excuse for not getting around and moving. We have a few little excuses. Well, the gospel is as true today as it was yesterday. And as true as it was when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And as true as it'll be tomorrow and the next day. So we have a lot to sing and celebrate about today. Amen? Amen. It may not be Easter, but Easter is every day. Christmas is every day. You know? Just all one big package of Jesus. So why don't we uh, stand? Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together, and every desire. Is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's Call me friend Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley Oh, there's not a place Your mercy and grace Won't find me again Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than Couldn't fill me 
Cause a man's empty praise In the treasures that fade They're never enough Oh Jesus, you came along Yes, you put me back together Now every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you No, there's nothing My failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all. You still call me bread. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. No, there's not a place your mercy and grace can find me again. No, there's nothing better than. You've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Oh, there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again.
give beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory You're the only one who can You turn mourning to dancing You turn beauty for ashes You turn shame into glory You're the only one who can You turn graves into gardens You turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only one who can Oh, you turn graves into gardens You turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only one who can You turn graves into gardens You turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only one who can Sing it again You're the only one who To dancing, you give beauty for ashes, you turn shame into glory, you're the only one who can, you turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, you're the only one who shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the You give beauty for ashes You 
our friends and family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. It's true that you can turn mourning into joy, ashes into beauty, death into life, bones into armies. Thank you, Lord. You can drive out every fear. You can drive out every situation that, that appears hopeless as we trust you, as we receive your love as we receive the truth of who you are in our lives, not just mentally receiving the facts of who you are, but receive the, the truth of who you are. And just as in John 1, it talks about how the word became flesh, the word became manifest, the word of Christ became alive in this world. Your word, the living word, can become alive in our lives alive in our midst, alive in our, our families and friends as we receive the fullness of the truth of the word and as we trust and believe. Thank you, Lord. We put our faith in you, Jesus. We bend our knee to you, Jesus. We, we humble ourselves before you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you worship. Yes, Lord. Mm.
from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no I am a child 
every fear and has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name. Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Although we find their strength.
before this one, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. Just what a beautiful reminder of where we would be without the grace and the mercy of God. Can we just offer the Lord just a thanks and a praise? Just, Lord, we thank you this morning that, Jesus, you are the one who has set us free. You are the one who came. You are the one who demonstrated your love so beautifully on the cross. Lord, we thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear, that we're children of God, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, you have taken us from darkness to light. You have rescued us, Lord, from our sin, from our shame, Lord. You've taken us and you've brought us into your kingdom, into your family. Lord, we thank you this morning. We bless you this morning. Jesus, you are the name that sets us free. You are the one who came as love in the flesh to die on a cross to set us free. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you, Father, that you have made a way for us. This week I was, um, sometimes I feel like communion is a puzzle that the Lord gives you and you're just up here trying to figure out how all those pieces go together. <laughs> um, but this week and recently I was in a situation where I was trying to work something out with a person and we were not seeing necessarily eye to eye on this subject and as all of us maybe sometimes do or maybe it's just me after the fact you go through a, a heated discussion or an argument and you come up with all the ways why you were right does anybody else do that or am I the only immature one here <laughs> and I was going through all these things and spiritualizing it and, and seeing it my way and whatnot and I felt like the Lord just took me a back to the basic of, of just asking me, are you loving this person in this process or are you just concerned about being right? <laughs> and you can be right and you can do all the things in the right way, but you can totally miss it. And I just felt so convicted in a good way of just, Lord, take me back to, to love. Take me back to what it's all about. Take me back to uh, of 
of love being the greatest aim of my life in every way. And I felt like he opened the door for me to see different things in my life, not just that situation with that person, but just, you know, am I doing what I do every single day because of love? Am I, am I approaching my job or my family or my friends or everything that I do? Is it all coming from a place of wanting to love them and ultimately to love the Lord? And so I was reading through a well-known passage to all of us, but 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Symbols are great, but if that's all we hear, go ahead and just play a cymbal constantly <laughs> for me. Just That doesn't, what does that do? <laughs> that gives you a headache, doesn't it? So if our speech isn't surrounded by love as the the underlying force if what we do isn't surrounded by love being the driving force of what we do and how we think and how we act that's our result and when Paul was was talking about love being our greatest aim he wasn't saying lay all those other things aside he was saying that love has to be the foundation or the track that all of these things ride on and I'm gonna nerd out on you a little bit because I'm in deep with grammar and with a third and fourth grader, but, but they, it points out in the scriptures and in this study Bible that I'm loving that Paul transitions it with, again, yeah, no, I'm going to be a nerd, an adverb saying, this is how you love. This is how you prophesy. This is how you teach. This is how you live your life. It's through love. It's not that you neglect all those other things or that those other things don't matter, but if love isn't the driving force for all of it, then it means nothing. And so it says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It's not sitting there after a discussion thinking of all the ways that it was right. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But, then that which is, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see dim, in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And earlier this week before thinking about this passage, I was just reading through the book of John and just noticing those scriptures where Jesus is, is washing his disciples' feet in those few chapters, you know, 13 through 17, before Jesus goes to the cross and how he has the Last Supper with them and he demonstrates his love to them. And a couple passages just um, obviously got my attention where it says, a new commandment, and this is in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And again in John 15, where he says, uh, 15 verse 12, he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. 
And Jesus obviously being the, the full demonstration of that, you know, he's, he's offering this command, this, this way to live in the context of being betrayed in the most deep way that you could possibly imagine. He's offering it in the context of going to the cross where he would bear the sin and the shame and the weight of, of you know, the weight of, of what he was about to endure would send most of us in a corner crying and, and kicking and screaming, not wanting to go. But Jesus in that place is expressing the fullness of his love and offering the greatest gift to us to say, as I have loved you, as the Father has loved me, now love one another. Now pour out your life to one another and to me and let love be your greatest aim. Let it be all that you desire. Let your love for me be the driving force of everything you do, of the way that you think, of the way that you live your life, of any sacrifice that you want to make. If love isn't the force behind any of it, then it means nothing. And that's sobering, but it's also freeing, right? If we can come to that place of saying, Lord, I want your love to be all that I live for. I want your love to be all that drives me. I want your love to be all that influences my decisions and the things that I can get so confused in or wrapped up in or using our brains so many times but if we can come back to that place of saying Lord let your love be all that matters be all that influences be all that leads me and guides me because of who you are Jesus you know the Lord never asks us to do something that he didn't already demonstrate to us when the Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice his son we're reading through Genesis as a family right now when he asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, it was because it was a picture of what Jesus would do for us. It was a picture that the Father would give his only son and lay down his life for us. He wasn't saying, oh, prove your love for me. It was saying, come into this relationship where I love you so deeply that I can set you free of any other thing that would come above that place with me. And that's where we find true freedom from, for, for every area of our life. We find true freedom in who we are as sons and daughters of God. We find true freedom in our relationship with one another if love is our greatest aim. We find the freedom to forgive. We find the freedom to not walk in offense. We find the freedom to be free of fear if that's plaguing you. You know, we, sing, we can sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but what does that look like in daily life? Are we truly free of fear? Or are we wrapped up in situations where we don't realize that we have a loving Father who we can say, Lord, I'm letting this go and I'm going to lay it aside and I'm going to choose to let go of my unbelief and I'm going to let go of the things that I can get so stuck in and I'm going to believe that you are who you say you are and you're going to do what you said you would do and your promises are true because I trust you, because I've come to that place where I recognize the love that you have for me is more than enough for everything I need. And that's where we find freedom because we realize how so deeply we are loved how faithful he is, that his words are true, that his promises are yes and amen, that no matter what's happened to us, no matter what may happen to us, what we might face in the future, that he is who he says he is, that he is faithful, that he is true, that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If he was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. If I can look back in my life and see the ways that he's been faithful over and over and over and over again, then surely I can step into the next thing and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to be faithful again. So as we take, um, I forgot a cup, but as we take the elements this morning of, of saying, Lord, your body and your blood was enough. 
If we don't believe that this morning, say, Lord, help my unbelief. If we don't believe that the body and the blood of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that we sing about and we proclaim and we can, you know, get all excited and worship, but ask the Lord, say, Lord, do I believe this in my heart that your body and your blood was more than enough? Do I believe that the blood cleanses me and sets me free from shame, from guilt, from condemnation? Do I believe that the body that you broke is enough to bring healing to my body and restoration to my soul? Do I believe that this impossible situation that I'm facing, that you made a way for this to be accomplished, that you made a way for there to be restoration in my family, that you made a way for there to be victory in, in my finances or my circumstances or whatever it may be, that the body and the blood of Jesus was more than enough because it's backed by, by who he is. It's his name. It's who, it's who, the very essence of who God is, is his love for us. That before the foundation of the world, he would say, I am the lamb that was slain that before the foundation of the world. Knowing everything that would happen, knowing the darkness that would come, knowing the shame, knowing what we would step into, the rebellion and the, the sickness, knowing everything that would come against it. He says the power of the cross is enough. So Lord, we thank you this morning that you are more than enough. We thank you this morning that the cross is more than enough to set us free, Lord, from every bit of shame, every bit of guilt, every bit of condemnation. We thank you that the power of the cross can take us from unbelief into faith. We thank you that the power of the cross is enough to take us place, from a place of fear to a place of overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are true, that you are love incarnate, Jesus. We thank you that you broke your body, you shed your blood and in that place you said love one another you said as I have loved you now go and love one another Lord we thank you that you made a way for us to do that Lord we're not capable of that we're not capable of forgiving whatever offense or wrongdoing may come against us Lord but if we set our eyes on you Jesus if we choose the way of the cross Lord if we choose to lay down our lives and say Lord let me know love in a deeper way take me into your love into a deeper way that I would choose love above all else Lord father I just thank you that you would break off chains this morning Lord in our minds and in our hearts Lord of things that we've become so absorbed in Lord that are really idols father we turn away from those and we turn to you we thank you Lord that the power of your love is enough to set each one of us free from anything that would hinder us Lord so Lord as we take this this morning we thank you that you are enough Jesus you are more than enough. Forgive us for believing any other thing. Forgive us, Lord, where we've stepped into another way other than the way of love, other than the way of, of pure, holy, unconditional, undeserved love, Lord. Lord, let us be vessels, Lord, that pour out unconditional love to the people around us, to those who don't deserve it, Lord, to those because we never deserved it, Father. We never deserve the love that you so graciously and generously poured out upon us. So we take your body and your blood this morning, Lord, with a thankful heart, with a grateful heart. And we just say, take us deeper into love, Lord. Take us deeper into unconditional love. That we would love like you love. That we would receive your love that you so freely gave into every part of us, Lord.
morning. I didn't forget what to say. I just want to give everybody a minute to actually take communion. Ashley, I'm going to send you a couple more pictures if I could. to give everybody a brief update. I had an opportunity to speak this morning with our beloved Pastor Samuel Guacapone. And he sent some updates and some pictures about some of the audio listening devices that we've sent over there recently. Is it under iPhone? Or should it be showing up as the Mac? If I put it closer, does that work? How am I doing? If I, had, if I had Carl's arms, it would probably get there. But I got your phone. There you go. You'll get it. Um, <clears throat> it's coming. Uh, I spoke with him briefly this morning. He sends his love. He says that he and his wife are getting more perfect every day. Still, he's getting closer to that every day, he says. Um <clears throat> But he, he, gave a, he gave a brief update on some of the streaming devices that we've taken over there. We have a couple pictures. And so uh, when we had the team go over there, they were able to take several devices to, uh, that were in multiple different languages. If you don't know what these are, so we, we uh, partner with um, a couple of different ministries. This one is uh, Renew World Outreach. Yes, thank you. Uh, and uh, they have solar audio Bibles that we take. Um, <clears throat> and they have a really neat uh, process where they're actually able to put it in multiple different languages. And so if you've never been to Africa, you, you, there are many, many languages. They have like an official language. And then you go like 20 miles into the bush and it's like three other languages. So uh, these devices are actually... Uh, we're able to download multiple different languages based on the dialect in the area. Uh, we get a list from Pastor Samuel. Uh, and then we take these devices, and uh, as you could probably imagine, when you got in, into the bush of Africa, there's not many people that have seen anything that looked like these. And so uh, one of the things that Pastor Samuel was, was sharing in one of the updates that they got is that it actually draws in lots of people that aren't even a part of the church. And so they're actually able to share these devices. And so they gather around and, and, and they're able to listen to the Bible and then have a conversation uh, that gives them an opportunity to share the gospel with, with uh, many people in the village. And so one of the updates that uh, they sent, let me pull this up for you real quick. This was, this was kind of a neat testimony. Uh, you can kind of, yeah, that's Pastor Samuel there with that beard of wisdom. He's carrying, I love that thing so much. Um, <clears throat> uh, he says, this is the tuna, the tuna branch. It's the one with the drum in the middle. And he says that they, they've started uh, uh, having a home cells of seven. And each, each group, they have seven groups of seven. And every time it goes beyond seven, then they start to branch out. And so what they're seeing already is multiplication happening with using some of these devices. And so um, there actually is already a need for more of them. But uh, 
Pastor Samwell and several of the other pastors in the area have been really excited about being able to use this device and to continue to share the gospel because it's a very easy uh, tool that draws lots of people in. And then so they're actually seeing many salvations coming from people just out of curiosity from seeing this device. And so really excited about uh, what that's doing. I think we have one short video. It's just a 30-second clip. I don't even know if um, you'll be able to hear much, but they all just kind of gather there. This, this is another group of trainer, uh, listening to the audio. Yeah, you see it there? Uh, audio in the middle. Uh-huh. So, real simple, they literally just put it on the floor, or in the other case, they put it on top of a drum. People gather around, they have whole families that are listening to it and getting an opportunity to, sh to hear the gospel. So, we're really excited about what the Lord's doing there and continuing to expand that. I believe we'll be taking some to Mozambique as well. So, really excited about everything the Lord's doing through that process, and it's been really neat. Pastor Samuel's excited about it and uh, is always excited for more. So, amen. Kingdom kids are released. Yes, of course. And teenagers. <laughs> Looking forward to the day when they'll say, no, can't we stay and listen to you preach? Please. Probably won't happen, but. <laughs> Jesus, we're here. We're here for you. Lord, as we hear the sounds of children, <laughs> you love those sounds. We thank you, God, that we're children. We make sounds. Lord Jesus, hear our voices. Hear the cry of our hearts. Answer prayer as we're willing to lift things up to you. You are the answer. You are the open door. Thank you, God, as we hear the footsteps of young disciples being trained by you, God. We rejoice. We lift up your name and thank you, God, that they will touch the streets and the nations, Father, and already are. We give you glory today, Father, a fresh new year to work with, and it's going fast. Father, help, help us to ride the horse that will bring you glory and not get on another dark horse. Stay on the horse that will bring you glory. Yes, God. Yes, God. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. Teach us today, Holy Spirit. Rise up in us in fire today, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. 
We love you, Lord. We give you honor today, honor that you alone deserve. Bless you. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I went to a meeting on Friday, some local leaders at a church, and they asked me to do a song of worship. As I was doing the song of worship, I was lost in worship, and it was as if, it was as if there weren't any other people in the room. And I was like, I like this kind of meeting where when I'm supposed to be giving out to them, I'm receiving from the Lord. You know, you can do that today. Maybe today is the day in this meeting. It won't matter what I'm talking about. It won't matter about others in the room. You'll just connect with Jesus. You'll connect with Holy Spirit. He'll overcome you while you're sitting there. He'll just speak to you how much he loves you how much he wants to be with, be inside of you. He loves it. He's not trying to get out of you. <laughs> Holy Spirit's not trying to leave because you're imperfect. He can't wait to dwell and stay and abide and love inside of you, speaking new life into you, resurrection life, abundant life, eternal life, everlasting life inside of you. Do you get there for a moment? Can you get there in this busy life for a moment? Connect with him in those moments? Receive from him deeply in those moments? This can't just be about meetings. Can't just be about the annual meeting. That's after this meeting. You're welcome to come and hear what God has done this year. And the Browns are out of the playoffs, so, you know, you have the time. <laughs> God has been faithful, and he wants to connect with us individually, speak some incredible life into us, even while we're sitting here this morning. Connect with you individually. Take you farther. Just before this new year started, and as it started, we've heard a lot about the open door. We know Jesus is the open door. But a lot of people are in expectation for this year, across the globe, Christians across the globe. They're expecting lots of persecution, but they're expecting God to do amazingly great things in the harvest and in our lives, things that are new, fresh, turnarounds, breakthroughs in our families, in our own situations, in our own lives, where we actually go low before God. And we say, here's my life. I'm tired of running it. I say I want you, but this year I'm going to mean it. I'm going to let you have my life. And I'm going to let you direct my life with wisdom. 
not going to make my own choices and decisions without encountering you first to see if that's the decision that should be made. And so in the midst of that, I just kept hearing the name Timothy. And I think I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Timothy, Timothy. And the Lord has been taking me on a journey as to what that means going forward. Timothy is not an unknown name in this fellowship. We've mentioned him as an example of someone we want to be in the faith. Young leaders, trusted, spiritually built up by older leaders, in connection with leaders that are after God's heart and in alignment with his heart so that we're in alignment with his heart. Some have stepped into that Timothy approach for decades, and it's been beneficial to their lives. Others are starting to rediscover how important it is, and it'll be important for their lives. So this morning, I'm trying to find out from God how, with all the chaos in the world and all the incredible prophecies about amazing things about to happen, in the body of Christ, using the body of Christ? How does that all work together with the example of Timothy? And the Lord has been revealing to me some things. I think I'm just at the start of it. So if I jumble a few things, realize it's in process, take them to the Lord and he'll straighten them out for you. (laughs) The name Timothy means God honoring God's precious one, one who honors God. Let's take a poll. Who wants to honor God? Look at that. He was Paul's spiritual child, we know. He and Titus, others, were built up by him. But he wrote individual letters to Timothy and Titus, Philemon, To let them know his heart for them, his support for them, his trust in them as leaders, and gave them exhortation and warnings of what was coming. He was a true father. Part of loving someone is warning them. Part of loving someone is exhorting them to to higher ground. And so Paul was faithful to do that, and he ended up with some incredible spiritual sons and daughters. Maybe they're not mentioned as often, but you can see it weaved through the Acts account and through the New Testament. Their names are mentioned. Every name that's mentioned as a faithful believer had gone through a fire of persecution. You can believe it. And that's facing us more than ever in this day. He was Paul's spiritual representative. He and Titus and others, Silas, Luke, others that were part of Paul's entourage of believers that traveled with him. And at the same time, there were believers leaving ship, jumping ship. They were done or they got confused about truth 
They lost track of who Jesus really was and made up their own Jesus. That's certainly happening in the church today. It's happened all the way through, but according to 1st and 2nd Timothy, it, in the last days, it's going to increase. There are those in the church that feel that if you're persecuted, there must be something wrong with you. Why would you be persecuted if you're loving? Why was Jesus persecuted when he was perfect love embodied? The Bible says we'll be persecuted if we're doing what's right. If we're stepping forward as radical believers, we're going to get hit strongly. So we know that Timothy and Titus went through all this persecution as they traveled with Paul, as, as uh, he was imprisoned, and, you know, oh, you're part of him. And they would have to take care of a young church that was very confused. They had been idol worshipers, many of them. And now they've found the one and true God. And some of them got a little excited, and Paul had to calm them down, and he used Timothy to do the same thing. They had to straighten out the doctrine in those early days. And there were only a few that really knew the truth, the absolute, total resurrection truth. And they had to teach others in order to teach others. And sometimes when it went down the line, people got off track. They had to go back to the various places and straighten out the troops. He used Timothy and Titus to do some of that. He couldn't do it all. Paul couldn't do it all. Many times he was in prison. So he couldn't be out traveling, making sure everyone was in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't often think of it, but occasionally I think of it. What if the leadership here was suddenly taken into prison? Would you be the representatives to take forward the vision of not only frontline, but the kingdom? Would you go to the streets? Would you go to the nations? Would you continue to lead? Maybe take some directions from the Leaders in prison because they're suffering for the gospel's sake and they've been true. They haven't turned and said, well, I don't even know who this Jesus is. But they stand for Jesus and they get persecuted even more. Would you take it forward if your leaders weren't around? Kind of important questions in Timothy and Titus. They face that because Paul went to Rome and they were going to kill him. It appears as though he, he was let out, not for good behavior, but because of Roman law. You can only be in prison for two years if they can't figure out what your charge is. That's happening to people today, but they're not being let out. <laughs> so they let him out. Whoa, boy. Someone they spend to prison, persecuted for the gospel's sake. He was doubly on fire and doubly pouring into his young Timothy and Titus and others. Let me give you a picture of the intimacy, the love that Paul had for his spiritual son, the faith, the trust in a young leader. 
It's Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24. But in hope in the Lord Jesus, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven character, that he served with me in furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. He's saying, I have a representative. I'm sending him to you. I'm in another place engaged at the moment. I want to come also. I want to give you what you need to be just like Timothy, to be just like me as I follow Christ. That was Paul's heart for those he sent out. He didn't just send them out religiously and give them commands and be their general. He loved these young men as sons. And he trusted some young women as they had gatherings. At the start of Europe, it was two key young women as they went into Europe with the gospel that allowed that to happen. He put a lot of trust in them. As we said last time, he told, the, told Timothy, don't let them look down on your youth. Why? Because he was a proven disciple. He was after God's heart, wanted the alignment with Jesus. I would submit to you that that's what we want for these coming days. You've heard the rumblings of what's coming. And it's severe. If we do business as usual, it won't work. If we decide, well, we're going we're gonna to figure this out on our own, that won't work. The unity of John 17 is now more important than any other time. And that means intimacy, closeness, and relationships. That's the only thing that's going to work as the fire, as the heat gets turned up for these last days. So we're on a spiritual cosmic collision. <laughs> Here are some of the things that are going to be colliding. I'm not saying it's an entire list. I hope you come up with several more. Give it to me so when I write a book on this, no. <laughs> when I speak out on this, it'll be more, it'll be a fuller message. Spiritual comet, cosmic collision of what? The year of the open door. Oh, well, that's a good one. We don't mind that colliding with everything that's going on in the chaos of the world. But along with the open door, there's great persecution on the porch. It's the last days clashing with the open door. It's tribulation clashing with the open door. It's shaking of the earth. 
you know it's begun, don't you? I mean, just going through COVID, you should realize this is so biblical and it's so shaking of the earth. The entire earth in such a short amount of time was affected. This isn't just some kind of a happenstance. This is part of the shaking, part of the tribulation, whether it's the actual tribulation in the start of the years. I don't know. But it sure has some resemblance, doesn't it? There'll be a clash with great deception, great delusion. We can see it happening in individual believers even. At the same time, there's a great harvest happening on the earth. Two things colliding. A great delusion, great deception. Many believers will be taken over by it. And at the same time, there's a great harvest that's happening on the earth. It's happening. It's not going to happen. It's in process of happening as we speak. Spiritual revival, end time harvest, it's already happening. It's colliding with all the other things I mentioned. Delusion, the last days, a great persecution. The wealth of the nations will begin pouring into the church. Why? Because it has to fund the harvest in the last days when there's persecution going on with every time the gospel is shared. The Lord will fund his great harvest using the wealth of the nations. That's all colliding, isn't it? Because they, they, there's greed going on, greater greed than ever. I'm sure you noticed greater greed than ever. You'll think of some examples. And in the midst of this, it's Timothy time. It's time we actually get serious about being Timothys. Well, I've been serious. And I don't know if I can take any more. My schedule is all filled up with being a Timothy. Guess what? Holy Spirit's inside of you. It's not going to be based on your strength, your ability to keep up with, with things that God asks you to do. It's not going to be based on that. If it was ever based on that, it's no wonder you're tired. And it's okay to be weary and well-doing as long as you keep going. <laughs> it's not like we don't get weary. But when we get weary, do we call on his extra strength? Or do we say, this is too much. This is, I'm done. We have to, re have to call on his extra strength. Think how many times Timothy, Titus, Paul... Luke, Silas, Barnabas, Mark. They're on these missionary journeys, and they don't have funding. You know, they didn't send out a support letter. It's just trust in God the whole way, everything they do. Shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonment, imprisonments. What if we said the next mission trip, let's say April, 
We go to Mozambique. Let me give you the rundown. First, we're going to have a shipwreck. I don't know how that's going to happen when we're flying in a plane. But we're going to have a shipwreck. And then we're going to have all kinds of strange diseases come against us that have never come against us, and there are no inoculations for them. Aren't you ready to go? And when we get there, we're feeling very weak from the shipwreck and the diseases and so on that we're trying to battle through, and the government arrests us at the airport, takes us into prison, and says, you're going to be here a while. They also arrested everyone that we know in the country, and so we can't even be in contact with them. They take our cell phones, and there we have it. Welcome to join, you're welcome to join the mission to Mozambique. Who's signing up? You know, it might be uh, laughable at this moment, but somewhere in the future, there's going to be some challenges, big time, big time. And are we still going to go? Are we still going to fight to get down to the streets when they announce that no one can proselytize in Canton or some other location? You can't win people to Jesus. You can't tell them about Jesus. You'll be arrested. How many would go to First Friday? How many would show up there? So I'm not trying to describe things that may not happen because everywhere you look in the Bible in the New Testament when it talks about the last days, it's not a friendly environment for Christians, for true believers. So there's, there's this cosmic collision going on, and we're called to be deepening our walk as Timothy's. So I guess the point of it is, when Paul is so intimately talking about his son Timothy that we read, that needs to be in all of our relationships, not separating because our schedules and our cra the crazy world we live in is, is getting harder and harder to keep good, close relationships, I'll just text, I'll just text, I'll just text, rather than face-to-face -face communication and so on. We have to go against that flow because the enemy's plan is to what? Separate us all so he can pick us all off one at a time. Right? What did, you know, all this take for Timothy? He had to honor. He had to have loyalty. He had to have unity with the other believers that were being radical. He had to know truth. Going through First and Second Timothy, you should read those books. So much emphasis on truth, truth, truth. You've got to stay with the truth. Stick to the truth. Embrace the truth. Don't let others... Teach things that aren't true if, if they're under your leadership. Obviously, he grew tremendously by being trained up by a Paul. Incredible. Are you willing to volunteer for that kind of training up? 
as a Timothy. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We have to have that going even more than at any other time in the history of Frontline. Allowing yourself to be sharpened, not just in a service, but in all areas of life and in ministry. If you've lost heart, you get prayer. If you're weary, you get prayer. If you don't feel you're up to the task anymore, too many complicated things in life, you need prayer. You need to get the ministry that you need to carry on. Timothy and Paul, even though they were ministering to other people, they made sure they connected in certain locations. He didn't just send him out, oh, we, man, we got to cover all these areas, so I'm going to send you here, Timothy, and you go here, Titus, and we'll never probably get back together because we've got to cover all these various locations where the gospel has gone out and there's a little bit of a group there, a little flame there, a little church there. No, they made sure that they crossed paths and spent time together in these new churches, certain locations, because they had business to do personally with one another in order to be built up to handle all the weight of ministry that they had. Of course, we've mentioned many times, 2 Timothy 2.2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Finding those people that are fat, faithful, available, humble, teachable. That's how you spell fat, you know, F-A-H-T. Yeah, faithful, available, humble, teachable. Timothy was one of those, and he carried it on to others, and there was resistance. And Paul says at one point, I'm in Asia. All have left me. What if that happens to you? You feel like, wow, everybody left. Are you going to carry on like Paul did? People he'd trained up, and they left. He said, nope, no more. I'm done for whatever reason. And it's usually inspired by the enemy, of course. We need to depend on scriptures like John 17. There are so many ones in John 17. It is a very clear message. We have to stay one. We may have differences with one another and difficulties with one another. And it was even expressed in the communion this morning. But we have to get past those. Barnabas and Paul had a disagreement over Mark, how to train him up. Barnabas took Mark, Mark, Paul took Silas. Do you know they spoke again, they worked together again? Do you know that? 
Paul and Barnabas, they had a disagreement, but they worked it out as Jesus taught them how to work it out. They didn't just separate forever and do their own thing. They came back together, and Paul at one point says, that Mark, now that you've trained him up, send him to me. He's needed now. After he said, I can't take him, he jumped off the first missionary trip. I can't take him. They had two different ministries going. Paul had to go forward with faithful men. So he picked up Silas, and he was very faithful. Barnabas had the ministry of ministering to someone that could be brought to faithfulness. Take the time, sow into him, and so on. And he came to faithfulness. And Paul and Barnabas continued to work together despite what looked like a falling out. We need more of that, don't we? We need more of that. Yes, Lord. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You say, what's that have to do with this? Can you take the wounding from someone for your best interest and say, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to love that person that had to wound me for my best. Show me where I could follow Jesus, be in alignment with him a whole lot better and not take offense and not say, why do they have to rule over me like that or all the things that we would come up with to fight the growth that God's trying to produce in us for these last days. So our ministry relationships, they have to be father-son. Those that we minister with, father-son kind of relationships as far as being trained up, such as Barnabas and Paul. And you know Barnabas raised up Paul. Paul exceeded him, and it became Paul kind of leading the charge. Are we humble like a Barnabas if we see the gifting in someone and let them pass us? Let them be in front of us. Can we do that? Ministry relationships like Paul, Timothy, Titus, but Elijah and Elisha. That was Old Testament. They still did that. Elijah basically said, you know, I'm going to go over here and... Elijah, Elisha said, I'm not going to let you get out of my sight. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to be there <laughs> with whatever happens to you. And sure enough, because of that heart to receive impartation, he ends up doing double the amount of miracles. That's what I expect from all of you do double the amount of miracles that this ministry has produced so far because you have that hungry heart to go after God. And if you don't have it, he'll give it to you. Ask him. He'll give it to you. Ministry relationships like Naomi and Ruth. Naomi tried to shoo her away. <laughs> Ruth wanted to be right under her leadership, under her training. And she ended up in such favor. 
because she wouldn't leave a relationship that she was given freedom. You can, you can go. You can go do what you're supposed to do. I need to, I need to be with you. I need to be around you. I need to receive from you. Do you have a relationship like that? Where you're hungry to receive from someone that is farther along in the faith. And it's not trying to take advantage of you. They're trying to build you up. And bring favor to your life. Personal relationships have to be closer, more unified. They have to have the honor, loyalty, unity, truth, growth in those personal relationships. Who's the example of that? David and Jonathan come to mind. Why? Covenant. They had not just a friendship, a good friendship, a good Christian friendship. I have a good Christian friend. I have a Christian. They had a covenant friend. They looked at each other. Whatever God wants between the two of us, let's take the role that he gives us, not the one the world has said we should have. Jonathan was the king's son, the heir to the throne. And he bowed to God's will for David to be the next king. That is incredible. That takes intimacy with the Lord and intimacy with covenant friends that we build up the very ones that are going to exceed us and maybe take a place that we should have we think naturally but supernaturally god says no what's this going to look like in the year of the open door and with all the other cosmic collisions if we don't figure out some of this we're not going to be able to survive in unity if we figure this out, we're going to thrive in unity through these things, and the harvest will be brought in because our, our alignment is with God's best. So personal relationships have to be very close. John 17, for ministry and personal relationships, the unity, the kind of love that Paul had for Timothy and Naomi had Ruth had for Naomi. Family relationships. We need the patriarchs and the family to take their place spiritually. Battle against the world coming into the family. Abraham, he goes, I know it's very nice here. Everything's really nice where we are. You know, look at all that God has favored us with. I'm going to the desert. Well, where are you going? I don't know. Now, if you were in Abraham's family, would you say, hey, can I go with you? <laughs> Can't wait to go with you. You're going to the desert, and you don't know where you're going. Yep, there's dad. He's getting it up in years. Doesn't know what he's doing. Kind of an old guy. Oh, boy. Why wouldn't he stay here where it's lush? We have all this livestock and this land and we built it up and it's green and there's water flowing through. Follow him to the desert. But you know what they did? They followed Abraham to the desert when he didn't know where he was really being led by God. 
because of his spiritual standing with them. He must have trained them up to trust God beyond trusting him. And they followed. We want that for our children in this body. So I see them dancing around up here and I, I don't know. I just giggle at these little ones. They just make me laugh. They're so free in so many ways. We could learn from them. The way they dance, the way they pick up a flag and wave it for five seconds and put it down or give it to a friend or bring it over to an adult. They don't feel like we're going to say, well, pick that flag up. Don't put it on the floor. Wave it around. What's wrong with you? Be consistent. Come on. Family relationships like Mordecai and Esther, where Esther listens to her relative when he's speaking the wisdom of God. She seeks it when she's the queen. I'm the queen. <laughs> That's nice. Are you still connecting with God's purpose for your life? And she goes down and meets him because he can't come in to the court. She goes down and meets him at the gate to talk to him. Or, you know, they pass messages. Or no texting. No email. No video calls. And somehow, they had an incredible relationship that saved their people. We need those kinds of family relationships, right? Where the ones that are spiritually strong, we let them lead. We learn from them. So again, as I said, all this takes honor, loyalty, unity, truth, growth, and other things that a Timothy shows to us. So I would say to you, read First and Second Timothy, read Titus, get into this flow of the Timothy time in the midst of this cosmic collision. It's out of this, it's just crazy what's going to be happening. It's not going to be business as usual. But we will reign and rule in it because we're going to hear from Holy Spirit. We're going to follow Holy Spirit. We're going to listen to leaders. I think back to COVID when we were seeking to go out on the streets. And yet, not many ministries were going out on the streets, but we had people waiting for us. <laughs> and it was... Green light missions are little people. So the question was, do we go out with our little guys like we normally do to the streets of Canton, put them in front of people, have them go door to door and invite people, share the gospel, put their hands out to heal, do dance, drama, Bring them in for food, connect with them face-to-face, -face, close up with the adults, of course, there to, to support. Or do we say, uh, this is the fire of COVID. 
Will they even receive us when we go? <laughs> go up on the porch, knock on the door, they don't open the door. Some chose not to wear masks. Will the people even respond? Will they come to the outreach? It's in their neighborhood, but it's COVID. And I remember being in our living room on the floor saying, God, give us wisdom. Show us what you want. Give us your heart. I'm sure that Paul, Timothy, Titus, Luke, Silas, and the others didn't know what to do many times with the kind of persecution that they faced. They got before God often together cried out to him, said, we need your wisdom, Holy Spirit. They had never been, they, you know, there wasn't a church until they started going out. This is all new. The fiery persecution, they'd seen it against Jesus, but now we don't have what Jesus has, do we? So many questions, fears that had to be cast down like the song we sang today, they had to deal with that all the time, casting that fear down that they would, it would stop them from going out. So I'm on the floor, Mary Pat's on the floor, we're asking God, help us, help us, help us, help us. And he gives a picture, a picture that I thought, you know, was kind of an inner tube and actually was a life preserver. And it was around every person that went out, that was going to go out on the outreach. There was no question in God's mind that we should go out. That wasn't even, he didn't say yes or no on that. He just gave a picture of what would happen when we did. And inside of it, it was a clear life preserver. Inside of it was rainbow colors swirling around inside. And it came to my heart, that's... Holy Spirit inside a life preserver around each person going out on the outreach. And I'm immediately like, we're going. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that was the first thing. But then I thought, so I'm going to tell the people that are going out, including myself, hey, we can go out. Did you get a yes or no? No, I got a picture. You want to hear what it is? Sure. I picture a, I said at the time, inner tube, I think. I didn't even get to Life Preserver until it was a little farther along into it. I picture an, an inner tube around you, each person, and inside the inner tube is like psychedelic colors, and that's Holy Spirit. And that's going to surround you and protect you as you go out into the community when no one may want you out there. And it's God. And what was so 
fun and amazing and incredible was you went out on that. You went out because of that. Also, the second chapter of that was that everyone we went to would also have what ended up being a Holy Spirit life preserver around each one we went to. No one would be affected. There wouldn't be a spreading of this COVID. It wouldn't be an event. It would be in the newspapers. They went out and they shouldn't have and it started something. It wouldn't be that. We went out on the outreach. We didn't say wear a mask, not wear a mask. That was up to the, each individual. They went out. They went out. They went up on porches. People opened their doors. They talked to them. They were looking for someone to come to the harvest. God had prepared their hearts to have some courage, especially when there were, there were little kids involved. Incredible. Opened their doors. They came to the outreach. Many of them, as they came with their masks and so on, took their masks off as they saw everyone else. Shouldn't say everyone. Many, many not having masks on. And having fun. And enjoying life. Salvation occurred that day. Healing. Some of you will remember some of the people that were touched with healing that day. The hope rose in that whole community. Then it was Christmas time. We go out on outreaches at Christmas and invite people. You know, the gift of Christmas. We adjusted it that year a little bit and we went out to them. The people, some of the people said, we knew Frontline would come. We knew they would come. We knew they would come out and talk to us and share Jesus with us and bring the presents. We knew it. What if we didn't? What if we would have faced that little thing, that little persecution, that little... If you go out, you, you could start something. A sickness that would spread if you go out. That's persecution. That's saying don't take the word of God that's more powerful than any sickness, disease, anything on the earth. Don't take that out. Keep that to yourself. Unbelievable what God is willing to do to lead us is my point. He's going to lead us in this season. He's going to speak to us in this season. If we are cognizant of the fact that it's Timothy time, rubber's meeting the road, we have to press into his heart, align with Jesus more than ever. And what's going to happen? Incredible response, along with a lot of opposition. Are you willing to press through the, a lot of opposition in order to get, to get the incredible response? People in this body have been healed this year 
Just one healing in your body should convince you that Jesus is worth all. There are those that have healings on the way. They're going to be so dramatic. We're going to press into Jesus that much more. Don't you want to be on the inner circle of that with Jesus? Participating in it, being part of it, unifying together, closeness, laying our lives out there to be looked at and see what someone says whether it lines up with Jesus or not. Because they're not trying to be judges, they're trying to be Paul's. They're trying to be Naomi's. They're trying to be Mordecai's. Make sure we're all in alignment with giving Jesus our best. So I want to pray over you this morning to finish up. Because I know just from that response of going out with that little bit of persecution of the COVID time, going out to those outreaches and people benefiting out there and no major event of spreading of this, it backed down, in fact. COVID backed down as we went out with a fervor of Jesus. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe it backed down. It couldn't touch us in any degree that was strong enough to knock us out. People that got, some people that got COVID, it was cured so fast within them, it, you know, they kind of questioned the test. Imagine that, question a COVID test. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this group of people, this tribe. Lord, they don't know what power they have as they unify together. Jesus, we thank you. Lord God, for John 17, 11. I am no longer going to be in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are. Verses 20 through 23, John 17. I am not asking on behalf of the, these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me also have given to them. I also have given to them so that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them just as you loved me. Father, perfect us in unity. I pray over each person here, they will step into more unity with the body than ever before, whether it be this body or other tribes in the body of Christ. God, we need to seek unity, not just as a word, but as intimacy with one another. 
We don't need labels. We need action. We don't need labels. We need intimacy. Don't let unity be a label. And yet the enemy cleans our clock because we didn't decide to be intimate with one another and with you, Holy Spirit. Intimate in ministry relationships and personal relationships and family relationships. God, bring that to us as we're intimate with you. Draw us into closer relationships where faithful are the wounds of a friend and iron sharpens iron. Yes, God. That's what will work in these last days as these collisions take take place as so many are swept away by deception when they think they're right on target. They're going to actually believe they're still aligned with the word of God and they'll be so far away. Jesus. Paul named names in First and Second Timothy of how many had left him and all in Asia had left him, but he was still after your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we, in the time of persecution, the time of shaking on the earth, Lord, I pray over this group, individuals that you see, they're not a glob, they're not really frontline, they are individuals before you. They group together and we put a label on it. But to you, they're individual lives. They can go lower. I can go lower. Pastor Mary Pat can go lower. We all can go lower. Love one another as was given out in the communion time. Love one another with unconditional love, but challenging love, caring love beyond just saying the words we love one another. We prove it by willing to take risks to have us all love Jesus more than ever. Thank you, God, for each person here this morning. They are treasured to you. They have a destiny for you. And they can be agents of unity for you. Because as we act together as one weapon in your hand in the last days, we will not just survive, we will thrive. We will care about each member of this body, God, and what happens with their individual situations. And we will support, we will stand, we will pray, we will contend, we will fight, we will fight, we will fight. This is a war, a spiritual war. God, we have to support one another, have each other's backs in these days these last days where the fire gets turned up hotter and hotter. Jesus, I pray that it won't be just another speaking out, oh, read First and Second Timothy and Titus. But God, people will actually go after it because they're hungry to find out how to survive, thrive, walk in unity in the last days. Lord God, help them to read through 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. 
verse 16. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 6, 3 through 10. 21, 20 and 21. God, verses like that, they give us the roadmap through the last days and what we should be doing to help people by standing for the truth, correcting in the right way, Father. People that are captured by the devil to do his will. God, that's serious. And they're not all outside the church. They're inside. You will give us the wisdom. You will show us the steps we need to take. We pray for each one here, God. They have that close relationship with your word and with your spirit. And day to day, they're intimate with you. When they don't know what to do, let them lay on their bed, lay on the floor and say, God, I don't know what to do. Let them admit, let them not thrash around and you will bring all that heavenly communication to them from Joel 2, Acts 2, the promise of that in the last days as well. Dreams, visions, pictures, words. God, you'll bring that communication, heavenly communication to guide us in these perilous times. Thank you, Lord. We look to you. We look to you. Every person, Father. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. God, let us do that. In the midst of crazy schedules, let us intentionally take the time times with you where we put the schedule aside. Yes, Lord. And where would you have me start to read? I would have you start to read in First and Second Timothy and Titus. It's Timothy time. It's Timothy time. It's Timothy time. Let's step into being the best examples we can be in the last days where fear is cast down, faith thrives because it's in a, the ground of a hungry heart. We're hungry for you. And if we're not, we cry out to you. Make me hungry. Give me that hunger. Thank you, Lord. Give each person their own revelation of this sharing today, God. Holy Spirit, go far deeper than what I was able to go. <laughs> and you certainly do every time. Thank you for that. We need you, Holy Spirit. We want you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. Here's the... Here's the red carpet. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome here, Holy Spirit. The same for each of our lives. We put out a red carpet. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome to correct me. You're welcome to lead me. Don't let me make just my own decisions in these perilous days. I want you to speak to me and your word together. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive that and go forth <laughs> into the harvest. It's here. It's here for the taking.
Amen.